morning, New Hope. It's good to see you. If I met, my name is Ryan, one of the pastors here. And, uh, you know, that's a sixth video now that we've shown where folks are on screen, on video, talking about their experience of New Hope Church. And, and I'm not getting tired of them at all. I just love to hear your experiences, what New Hope means to you. And as Pastor Jake already talked about, 20th anniversary is this week. It's Thursday. It's, it's coming. And uh, God has just been so good. So good to us as individuals and families, but so good to New Hope church as well. And so it's a special thing to, to be a part of. And glad you're here this morning. I want to welcome you if you're watching by Facebook this morning as, as well. Uh, it's a special morning this morning, uh, not in this service, but next service. So this is enticing if you want to come back. I, it's up to you. But we are going to be dedicating five little ones, which is going to be a very special thing. The families will be up here and, and uh, praying for them. And this is an important thing, both in the lives of the children and the parents, but for us as a church as well, to, to come around them and to, and to commit them to the Lord. It's going to be a special, uh, special time. That'll be at the end of, of next service that we'll be doing that. And we're also, we are starting to pivot and talk about Easter. Easter is only three weeks away which is mind-boggling. It's coming up here really soon, three weeks away from this morning. And, um, and, and we're doing this year three services. Uh, so we're doing a Saturday night service, as you see there, at 6 p.m. And then our normal schedule on Sunday morning at 9 and 10.30. Each service is identical. Each one's going to be a tremendous celebration uh, of uh, the resurrection of Christ. The three services are to make room for people who aren't here yet. And so just be praying for that time. And, and uh, you know, Easter still in our culture is one of those times when people are willing to come to church. They're, they're willing to step foot into a church, whether it feels like they're just supposed to do it, or maybe they grew up doing it, but they've drifted away. And, uh, but Easter is one of those times where they're still willing to come. They just oftentimes need an invite. They need to know they're not coming alone. Maybe you remember your first time stepping foot into a church. Maybe it was this church. It's kind of scary. It's a little bit nerve-wracking to come to a place that's new, and what's it going to be like, and how will they treat me, and how will they receive me? And so uh, next Sunday, not today, but next Sunday, we're going to have invitations for you, and you can take those invitations and share it with the people that you know and love and are praying for. Uh, But today we have a different tool for you, and we'd like to ask that uh, when you leave here this morning, the greeters will be out there, and we have, as you've probably seen coming in the driveway, we have yard signs for everybody. And so I'd like to ask if you would take a yard sign and put it in your yard. This is a tremendous way of just spreading the word around town or beyond wherever you live that we're doing Easter services. People do drive by, they do see them, and it's just another way of getting the word out about that. And so you can grab one afterwards. Um, If you are, maybe you live in a prime location, you're like a corner lot or you have a business and you're like, I could do two or three. You can take two or three. That's fine. Um, Maybe you're thinking this morning, you're like, well, where I live, the only visitors we have are deer and mosquitoes. Like, Nobody comes to our house at all. If that's the case, I get it. Maybe it's not for you to grab a yard sign, or maybe you could put it somewhere at the beginning of your driveway. I don't know. Totally up to you, but we have them available and would encourage you to grab one uh, this morning for that. So, hey, if you would, grab your Bibles. We're going to transition now, talk about this morning's message. Remember, we're in a sermon series called Stories. We're looking at the stories of six people from the New Testament. This morning is our fifth character. Next Sunday, we wrap up with one last one. And what we're doing is we're looking at how did God work in these people's lives and what did he, what did he do in their lives and how did he transform them? And as we've been talking about each Sunday, I hope you're seeing already that each person's story that we're looking at is so unique. It's so different. It's like a fingerprint. It's just, it's their story, just like your story is your story. 
And your story is not like my story, and mine's not like this person over here. We each have our own unique journey that God is working in. He's working to, to restore relationship. He's working to help us grow to be more like Jesus. And so these are the things that he's doing in our lives. And so the big question for all of us uh, here this morning is, what's your story? What's your story? What's God doing in your life? What, what has he done? What's he doing today? And what are you trusting him for as you look to the future? What are you, what are you looking to God and say, God, I, just, I need you to show up in this way. This is how I'm trusting you to grow. And so I'm very excited about our character this morning here, but I want to hopefully have a bulletin on the back side. You can take some notes here. I want to give us uh, this, this big idea here this morning. And, and to way to introduce it, I want to ask a question. And the question I want to ask is this. How do you respond to fear? How do you respond to fear? Because fear is something that every single one of us experiences. I mean, all of us. And, and for some of us, at times, fear is crippling. For some of us, it just it engulfs us and we can't break out of it. This is such a big topic that we actually, after Easter, I just want to give you a little bit of heads up of what's coming up. So after Easter, we're going to be transitioning into another sermon series, and it's called Scared to Death. There's a logo for it. And we're going to be taking four, four weeks or so, and we're going to be talking about the issue of fear and worry and anxiety. Those things that we experience in our lives, whether situations come or stuff that we face is going through. And again, all of us are at different places in the spectrum with this, but it's something common to all of us. And we want to get into the scripture and say, what does God's word say about these different areas in my life? And how can I experience the peace of God in the midst of the stuff that I'm facing and going through? And so I'm looking forward to that. But the question I want to just touch on, which is going to relate to that series later on, is how do you respond to fear? Here's your first fill in the blank this morning. Here is our big idea for this morning. It's this, that fear is not a reason to say no to God. The fear that you and I experience, and we all do. If you're sitting here thinking this morning, that's me. I experience fear. There's fear in my life about what, all kinds of different things. Fear is not a reason to say no to God. This morning, we're going to look at a character, one of my favorites in all of Scripture. I love this guy. In fact, uh, if, if I could have kind of, you know, lunch with a Bible character, so to speak, there's a lot of them I'd like to have lunch with, but, but this person would be on that list. But he's often overlooked. He's a person that God used him in remarkable ways. But the thing about this guy is that all along the way, fear was a part of his journey. Fear was something he had to interact with and work with through in trusting God and, and to do the things that God had called him to do. This morning, we're going to look at the life of Timothy. We're going to look at Timothy's life. So let's go ahead and take a moment, step back and say, okay, who was this guy? Let's, let me introduce you this morning to Timothy. Here, here's Timothy. We actually first meet Timothy in the book of, of Acts chapter 16, verse 1. We're going to be in lots of different scriptures this morning. So if you have your Bible, you kind of have to get a finger workout and move around. But Acts 16, verse 1, just follow along behind me here. Here's how we get to know Timothy first. It says this. It says that Paul came to Derby and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived whose mother was Jewish and a believer and whose father was a Greek. 
So when we first meet Timothy, we learn a couple things about him. First, we learn that he's called a disciple, which means he's a Christian. He's somebody who has said yes to Jesus. He has a relationship with Christ, and he is starting his journey of what does it look like, what does it mean to be a Jesus follower. So this is Timothy. We see, too, that he's from uh, the city of Lystra. We've got a map for this uh, for you. Uh, That's modern-day Turkey there, Mediterranean Sea below there. But that gives you at least a sense of where Lystra uh, uh, is and, and was. That's Timothy's hometown. That's where he grew up. And we also learn from this verse six, uh, chapter 16, verse 1, we learn that his family dynamics were interesting because we see here that his mom is Jewish, his dad is, was Greek. His mom was a, a Christian, she was a believer, a follower of Christ, and apparently dad was not. And so mom and dad are culturally in different places, and in their religious uh, background, uh, their, their faith, they're in different places. And maybe you grew up in a situation like this too. Maybe you grew up in a similar household where one parent um, had faith and the other one did not. One parent was, was involved in, in their local church and serving and spending time in prayer and the word. And the other parent, that just wasn't their story. If you grew up in that kind of household, you can relate with Timothy. That was Timothy's upbringing. That's the kind of household he grew up in. But his mom was not his only spiritual influence. Let's, let's keep going. We're going to just jump on the screen behind and we'll follow this here. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. It says, now Paul's writing now. It says, I, Paul now, I am reminded of your sincere faith, speaking of Timothy, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. So here we've learned now that not only did did God use uh, uh, Timothy's mom in his life, mom was a believer. We see that grandma, Grandma Lois, is also a believer, that she also follows Christ and, and has an influence in his life. And so these two ladies had a tremendous influence on Timothy as he grew up in Lystra. They, they modeled, they taught scripture. And then look with me at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. Kind of moving quickly through his story here just so we get a feel for where his background is. But look what this says. It says, but as for you, he's writing to Timothy now. Paul again is writing to Timothy. He says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it. And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So again, so here we have Mama Eunice, we've got Grandma Lois, you've got these two ladies, they've invested into Timothy. And we see here, even from infancy, uh, um, they're, they're, they're in the Old Testament with him, they're training him in scripture, and then as he's growing, they're having influence on him. And I just want to push pause real quick, because these two ladies are a tremendous example to each one of us, if you're a parent or a grandparent this morning, and I'll just add to the list, if you're an uncle, if you're a cousin, if you're a big brother club, whatever it is, but what a great example of these two ladies investing into their child or grandchild. I mean, this is what it looks like. We should hold up their example as a tremendous modeling for what we should do. We're going to be talking about this a little later on this morning with the child dedication and the role of a parent to invest in their child. You know, the primary uh, uh, people that God has entrusted uh, the, the discipling of children to is not necessarily the church. Did you know that? The church is not the first layer of discipleship training for children. It's mom and dad. It's family. 
That's where it happens. That's the primary place it happens. The church supports that. Other ministries support that. But here we've got this example of, of the mom, the grandma investing into Timothy, and it pays off. So, so what happened next? So, so Timothy grows. He, he becomes a, a, an older teen. And then something remarkable happens in his life. And I absolutely love this. Paul, he's on a missionary journey. He's traveling all over in, the, in this region here of what is today Turkey. And Paul comes to the city of Lystra. And at some point, they meet each other. They interact with each other. And, then, and here's what I love. Paul goes to Timothy, who's just a teenager, and says, Hey, Timothy. I got a proposition for you. You want to join the team? It's, it's, it's Paul, it's Silas, that's it. Two guys, you want to join, you want to be our third person on our team as we head out and we share Christ with people who've never heard him before. Can you imagine? And, and for, for Paul, of all the people he could have recruited, he picks a teenager. I mean, the kid's just getting his driver's license, trying to figure out how to open his locker kind of a thing. And he's, here he is now being recruited to join this three-year missionary journey where they're going to head out. They're going to be traveling all over the world. And there is no doubt that Timothy is going to face hardship. He's going he's to face uh, prison. He's going to face persecution. He's going to face mobs. He's going to see conversions. He's going to see miracles. I mean, all of this is going to happen to this kid who Paul invites to be a part of the team. I think that is so cool, so fantastic. Now, this is just an opinion, so take it for what it's worth. This, you know, Paul, Timothy said, yes, he joined the team. He heads out. This would have stretched Timothy tremendously. I mean, how could it not? In fact, uh, the teens, uh, uh, New Hope teens, are, they're going to Chicago this summer. If you hadn't already heard, in July, there's a group of teenagers, Pastor Jake's taking them and others. They're going to Chicago to serve there uh, in the city and do ministry. And that's going to stretch those kids. That's absolutely going to stretch them as they're there in Chicago. But here we see Timothy going on this three-year journey. At some point, Timothy would have felt fear. He would have felt overwhelmed. He would have felt underqualified. I mean, this would have been Timothy's experience, but here's what I love. It didn't stop him. Timothy just jumps into the deep end and he starts paddling. He starts just going for it. In fact, I would encourage you, you can read about the journey that Timothy was a part of. Uh, It's Acts chapter 15 is where it picks up and it ends in Acts chapter 18. So on your own, if you want to just, like, I'm not sure what to read in the Bible, grab there and pick up this week and read their journey and read what Timothy experienced as a teenager as he's going out with Paul and Silas and doing ministry. And and so so, so an incredible story. See, what I love about this is that it's a reminder about this. Here's your next fill in the blank. Here's the reminder that I think this example gives to all of us. It's this. It's that youth... And young adults, next slide if we can get it, please. Youth and young adults uh, are not just the church of tomorrow, but also the church of today. Did you catch that? Youth and young adults, they're not just the church of tomorrow, they're the church of today. See, what happens sometimes is a local church can put barriers to ministry around age. 
And, and say that, that uh, uh, you know, if you're a certain age, you can't, you can't lead, you can't be involved, uh, uh, it's not for you yet when you get older, that kind of a thing. Like, I love this morning, this is a great example this morning, it wasn't even planned, but we had two teenagers on stage helping to lead worship. We got another teenager running sound. So the fact that you can hear anything is because of a teenager, right? I love, love, oh, there it went. That was good, actually. That's my son, I'll talk to you later about that. But, but I love that. I love because, see, we want to be a church where every age is valued, where we say that every age, every age, isn't it? Young, old, in between, whatever the case may be, that you have a place at New Hope Church to use your gifts and to be involved in what God's doing. That's for you. See, we don't believe here at New Hope Church that youth group is a four-year holding tank with pizza. Right? I mean, that's what it is for some. Like, keep, keep the kids away. Don't let them mess up the carpet, spill the Kool-Aid or do what. I mean, just, just keep them away so that we can do big church here and be adults. That's not our philosophy here. In fact, one of our vision statements here at New Hope Church, just to reiterate this, is that we want to see 50% of New Hope Church be a millennial or Gen Z. And if you're like, what's a millennial? What is all that? Basically, that means from 40 years old and younger. We want half of our church to be that. That's not because they're more important. We want to be a, a church that every age is represented, every age is important. I'm not even in that age group. But, but here's why we talk about this. Here's why. Because the, the millennials and the Gen Z generation are the most unreached generation in, in American history. They are the most undiscipled generation in American history. Check out these stats. These are, these are mind-boggling to me here. But 70% of teenagers have never stepped foot into a local church. That's incredible. 70% of teenagers have never stepped foot into a local church. Excuse me, I misread that. 30% of, te- that would be, 30% of teenagers have never stepped foot in a local church. 70%, that's why I misread it. 70% of teenagers have decided to stop going to church. They used to go. Maybe they were involved in a program, they were in kids' church, whatever the case may be, but they have stopped coming. And then this one to me is, is the most telling. The only 4% of teens today, 4 of teens today have a biblical worldview. What that means is only 4% of teenagers today look at the world, interact with the world, make decisions and priorities based on what scripture says, that they're able to articulate their worldview as a Jesus follower. Four, they've got a lot of work to do. This is why at New Hope Church, we have a heart for the youth for children, for teens, for young families and young adults, that we can make an impact in that area. Okay, back to Timothy. So, so, so Timothy, Timothy's story. So up to this point, he's, he's invited to join Paul and Silas and go on this missionary journey. And he probably felt, I'm sure he felt, fear along the way. And then after that was done, Paul had, hey, he said, hey, Timothy, I got another assignment for you. I'm going to send you to Corinth. Corinth is in Greece. And uh, I want to send you down there uh, uh, because um, I need you to do some work down there. By the way, Corinth was the most dysfunctional church in all the New Testament. That place was a dumpster fire. I mean, it was just, it was just a, a horrible. So, he, so, so Timothy goes from the missionary journey. Now he's in his early 20s and he gets dropped off in Corinth. And his job is to clean up the messes in Corinth. And then once that was done, so now we're kind of in his late 20s, early 30s, Paul says, oh, Timothy, I got another assignment for you. And this is not getting any easier, by the way. He says, now I'd like you to go to Ephesus 
and I'd like you to be the lead pastor of the church in Ephesus. Fear, every step of the way. Fear on the missionary journey. Fear as he shows up in Corinth as a kid, an early 20s. Like, why are they going to listen to him? And his job is to clean things up in this dysfunctional church. Then fear as he goes to Ephesus, and he goes to a church that Paul planted. This was a, a huge church. This was an important church. The book of Revelation even talks about this church. He drops him off in that church and says, your job, I got a job for you, and your job is to set some things straight, to raise up leaders. There's problems in this church, Timothy, and I need you to go and clean up the mess in this church. Again, fear again as he's having all these jobs here that are, these are not easy tasks that he has here. Now, if there's any thought to you, you're thinking, well, but yeah, but this is Timothy. Like Timothy's in the Bible, so that makes him different than, than us. No, no. In fact, the snapshot we get of Timothy is this. We know from First uh, Timothy chapter five that, that Timothy was a guy who was, he was frail in size. He had bad health. He was often sick. We also know that he experienced failure. Remember I talked about how he was dropped off in Corinth? Well, he went there and he gave it his best and he was serving there and he was trying to clean things up, but it was too much. He failed. He left Corinth and the job did not get done. He knew what that was like. He'd experienced failure. And then we know over and over again, we see that Timothy is described as a person with a timid personality. Just kind of his go-to, just who he was as a guy. He was not gregarious. He was not bold. He was timid. It was easy for him to fear. It was easy for him to feel skittish. It was easy for him to be in those places. So when you look at Timothy's life in Scripture, fear is always present with him. Fear is always something he seems to be going through. But again, here's what I love. It never stopped him from doing what God called him to do or being the person God called him to. To be. Remember, fear is not a reason to say no to God. That Timothy had this ability to, while he experienced fear, he still said yes to God. He still moved forward, trusting him along the way, even in the fear. It wasn't that it always just went away. It was just in the fear that he felt, he kept obeying. He kept trusting God. He kept moving forward. See, somewhere along the way, Timothy learned something. See, he learned that the fears that he felt and the faith in God that he had were in opposition to each other, that they actually opposed each other. See, it looks like this. See, there's times, for example, when, when things in your life feel out of control, what happens? We feel fear because life feels out of control. And that's the fear that I feel. And yet by faith, I know the scripture says that God is in control. And so which one do I go to? Do I run to my fear that I feel or do I hang on to the faith that I have? Or another example is we fear the unknown, don't we? We fear the unknown of what's this going to be like or what's going to happen if. And yet we forget by faith we know that God is in control, that God knows the future. Or, or how about this one? We, we fear getting hurt, don't we? I don't want to get hurt. I feel the fear, and yet by faith, I come back to the idea that God is protector, that God will protect. And, and, and even if I do get hurt, I know that I don't walk through that by myself, that God is with me, and I'll walk through all of that with him. Here's your next fill in the blank. I think it's your last one. Here's your next fill in the blank. It's this, that our fears give us insight to where we are struggling to trust God. 
What fears do you have? Because the place where you fear, that's probably the place where faith is hard. That's probably the, faith, the place where, where trusting God becomes challenging. Maybe this morning you're somebody and you live with financial fear. It's gripping. If that's you this morning, the question is, will you trust God as your provider? Do you trust when God says, I'll meet your needs? Trust me. Put, put my kingdom first. Put me first. Just live for me. And you do that. I'm going to take care of all those needs you have. Faith versus fear colliding. Or maybe this morning you have relationship fear. And it's about trusting God that you're enough or that you're lovable, that you're worth being in relationship and worth being loved. Trusting God that he loves you and that from that position of God's love in your life that you are free to love other people. Or maybe for you, finally, maybe for you it's a fear of making a wrong decision. And so for you, there's, there's, um, it's just crippling. And no decision at least is safer than making the wrong decision. And that becomes a place of fear that you experience in your life. So my question for you is, but do you trust God's leadership in your life? Do you, do you trust that God wants to lead you and that he can lead you and that, that he'll provide guidance in your life? Do you trust him for that? See, the place that you and I fear is oftentimes the place where we're struggling to trust God. So I want to close with this verse here. This is why Paul writes these words of encouragement to Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. Excuse me, 6 and 7. It says, For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. See, see Paul is saying to Timothy, he says, Look, Timothy, God has equipped you God has equipped you for ministry, exactly the ministry that he's placed you in. And so, Timothy, as you're there in Ephesus, and it's a hard job, and you're serving, and you're loving, and you're sacrificing, and you're giving your all uh, uh, in worship to God and serving him and serving your church, as you are doing all that, you just keep going. Don't stop. He's encouraging Timothy. Look with me at verse 7 now. He says this, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, meaning fear or cowardice. That's not from him. He says, but rather a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. So what do we learn from this? We learn that the Holy Spirit in your life, in you, does not give you fear. The fear you feel is not from God. God is not the author of that. He does not put that in your heart. He does not call you to something and then infuse or implant or inspire fear along the way. That's not from him. We've taken care of that on our own. But rather from him, the Holy Spirit in you, he says, no, no, the Spirit in you gives you these three things. It gives you power. The word in the Greek for that is dynamite. We know what dynamite does. It's explosive. It's powerful. He said, that's the word there. He says, it's a spirit of power, the ability to know him, to love him, to follow him, and to trust him as you move forward. So it's power and love. That's a sacrificial agape love, to love other people. Even if they don't love you back, you're just loving people. That's all you're doing there. And finally, of self-discipline, that all of that is from God. And see, here's the key, that when God calls you to something and calls you to be someone, which he has for every single one of us in our lives, the fear that you feel is not a reason to say no to God, but rather to continue to move forward, knowing that the Holy Spirit in you, as you rely on him and trust in him, he'll give you the ability, the love, and the self-control to move forward, to do what God's called you to do, and to be the person that God's called you to be. Even in 
the fear. You can trust him with that. And as you trust him in that, watch how God shows up and gives you all that you need moment by moment and day by day in those places where you most feel feel it. That's the promise. That's what he says here. So as we close, what, what about Timothy? What about Timothy? Well, Timothy went to Ephesus and in his life, he stayed at that church until the day he died. He served there for probably close to 50 years. I mean, just faithfully serving. We know that when soon after he arrived in Ephesus to be the pastor there, the people in Ephesus, the community didn't like that. They actually threw him in prison for his faith. Did that stop Timothy? It didn't. He kept going. He kept moving, even in the timidity, even in the fear. He just kept trusting God and just kept moving forward and saying, God, yes, I'm going to do what you've asked me to do. And then at the end of Timothy's life, and this is incredible, and this is legend. This is not from Scripture, so it may be true, it may not be. But as legend holds it, Timothy was out one day, and there was a, there was a, a parade of sorts, and there was a, a parade to the, the God of, goddess of Diana, I think it was, and, and the parade was going on, and Timothy ran out into the procession to try to stop the procession, and there he began to tell people about Jesus. You talk about being bold. Look what he did. And the town didn't like that, and so the people who were running the parade grabbed him, stoned him, and they killed him right there. That's how he died. He died in a very bold act. Timid Timothy, being bold all the way to the very end, trusting God in the fear that he felt. So I want to close with this, and the band you guys can come on up if you would. I want to close with a question. The question is this. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? Because the places where you feel fear become the exact spots that are opportunities for you to trust God. And so I want to give us all an action step this morning. This is one that I have been doing in my own life because this message is not just for you. This is for me. And I want to encourage you to memorize a verse, and there it is. It's not very many words, which I appreciate. Psalm 56, verse 3. Hiding this in your heart, lodging it in your head so that when you feel fear, you come back to this. That when I am afraid, I will trust in you. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. Going through something at work, God, when I'm afraid and I'm feeling fear right now, I'm going to trust in you. Something at home, again, finances, walk in the hallway of your high school, whatever the case may be. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. Come back to that over and over and over again. Hide that in your heart because you will feel fear, but you can trust in I pray for us? We're going to pray here and then we're going to worship and we're going to, we're going to sing a song that calls out this idea that for those of you who have said yes to Jesus, you are not a slave to fear because that is not from him. What's from him is that spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. And so we're going to pray and then we're going to stand and we're going to worship and we're going to sing out to God. Let's go ahead and pray together. Father, uh, thank you so much for the, the morning of the reminder that fear is not from you, but we do fear it. We do feel it. And we do, we do experience what it's like to have that anxiety, that, that insecurity and the fear of, of all kinds of things. And so, Father, I pray for each one of us here in those exact places where we feel it. 
that, Father, as we go about our day today, as we go about our week and moving into the future, that we would trust in you, that we would remember Psalm 56.3, that we would rely on you, that we would recognize that that place is the place that God maybe wants to expose so that we trust you more. And, Father, we recognize this morning that in and of ourselves, we can't just fix this or change this or make ourselves a better us. We, we need you. We are reliant, completely dependent on you. We trust you, Father. We love you, and we thank you and praise in your name. Amen. Let's stand. Surround.